We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everyone. On this episode of Drinks with Binks, we've got a little hockey action. We welcome in two-time Stanley Cup champion Dan Carcillo, who takes us through his second life now in retirement. That includes farming medicinal mushrooms for brain health. He's also fighting to help raise awareness for CTE and concussion issues, as well as the widespread abuse that we saw in the NHL earlier this year from coaches as well as players. He also takes some time to call out a former player. You don't want to miss this. Hey everyone, welcome on in to Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks. We are working from home because as you know, guys, we are all in this together as we are dealing with coronavirus. Stay home, stay safe. This is going to be week six for us right now. It's actually starting to feel pretty normal to be doing this from home, um, which I guess is a good thing, but probably not for when things open back up again. But we know that we want you guys to stay safe. We still want to be able to bring you some awesome content and for that, I'm very excited to welcome in a guy that you know from his days on the ice, two-time Stanley Cup champion. He played with the Coyotes, the Flyers, the Blackhawks, the Kings, and the Rangers. And now he is working on awareness for brain health, none other than Dan Carcillo. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. Now, we were actually supposed to record this yesterday, but you were out in the fields, so you were farming. Tell me what is going on. Like, what are you doing farming these days? Yeah. So, I mean, the hands are a little, a little bit dirtier than, than usual and just using them in a different manner. Uh, we had a tractor go down yesterday. We were plowing the land, uh, turning it over and disking it up. And so that's unfortunately something that I had to, had to postpone this because we're dealing with mother nature and it's going to be raining for the next uh, foreseeable future. So it was really the only data to be able to do it. And uh, last year I learned about CBD genetics uh, on my path to regaining my brain health after numerous diagnosed concussions. And really it's, it's one of the things that's worked really, really well for me that coupled with medicinal mushrooms and uh, 10 months, uh, you know, of, of this protocol of flushing out inflammation, promoting neurogenesis with the mushrooms. Um, I, I feel the best I've ever felt. And so wow. last year, what I did was I farmed my own medicine. So 750 plants and I've processed that into some nano emulsified oil and just about ready to 
uh, launch the um, Made Plant Health website and my brand, and everything's targeted at at brain health and melding CBD with medicinal mushrooms. Wow, that's impressive. I mean, being able to to harvest your own medicine is a real interesting feat. So, what was it about? Like, how did how long did it take to figure out that it was medicinal mushrooms that helped you? And then also, how do you farm medicinal mushrooms like how did you learn how to do that yeah so it's a big learning process and still learning uh, both about you know cannabis and farming and and then mushrooms is kind of a whole new animal that i'm trying to bite off and so last year it was just uh, working with cbd genetics and and uh, being coachable which is something that luckily i am and just listening to people that know more than me and reading a lot and then taking a leap taking a leap of faith and and putting these 750 plants in the ground i never popped a seed in my life and got a pretty decent yield uh if you talk to professionals they'd say well you <laughs> not that good but i think for a first timer 187 pounds was a pretty decent um, a, a decent yield. And so then I had all this medicine and I, I didn't know really what to do with it. I mean, that's years and years of medicine. So I thought, well, um, you know, I kept down this path and, and at the six month mark, when I was using these products, I really felt like it was a game changer. Like I felt really, really good. And I'd spent about $200,000 and four years of going to these concussion clinics and listening to white coats telling me what to do and just maybe getting a month and then reverting right back. And so this was like sustainable now. And, and then at the six month mark, what I did was I checked it. So I like to track my, my progress with science because a lot of people, you know, what we're talking about, um, it's somewhat radical and just heavily stigmatized. So people won't even attempt to listen. And so if they can't get if I can't get through them with the anecdotal stories, then I show them the science. I show them my brain scans from uh, before I started the protocol to six months. And then I plan on continuing that for the next wow. um, every six months for the rest of my life, just showing progress. And at the six month mark with this protocol, I got a clear QEEG for the first time, no abnormalities. And I got clear blood work. So wow, that's yeah, very it really, it's yeah, it's truly, truly amazing. And I mean, when I say medicinal mushrooms, I'm just talking about, you know, lion's mane and reishi and cordyceps. And um, I also advocate for the use of responsible use of psilocybin. And that has also been part of my uh, weekly regimen is um, is microdosing. Um, but it, they, they all synergistically work together. And if you delve into the clinical trials and there's so many of them that have been done, um, it, it promotes neurogenesis. And at the core of what we need to do um, people that have had repetitive head trauma, physical trauma, and emotional trauma, they need to wake up these regions of their brain that are shut down due to trauma. And that's what I kept hearing at the clinics. And that's what medicinal mushrooms did for me. And the cannabis flushed out the inflammation. Mm, interesting. Okay. So in layman's terms for people that, you know, just hearing about this, what's one thing about your brain? You said your brain scans have improved. Like what, what does that look like? So there's the alpha, theta, beta waves. Um, and basically when I went to get a bit, another baseline just to kind of see where I was after four years of these treatments, it came back in Lay's terms, it was just all red. 
and red is never really a good sign. And so that was just a read on how my brain is functioning, uh, how it's communicating. And it wasn't communicating very well because you get these breakdowns with trauma and you get stuck in these destructive thought patterns. And so what happened was I saw that and then that kicked in my my anxiety and my depression even more because I had spent a lot of money and a lot of these treatments I'd, I'd been hearing from people that they weren't really feasible for them. So I think in, in doing all of this then and finding what I found, it's a really equitable access point and it's really exciting. And um, I'm just now I, I feel like it saved my life. And so I have to continue to talk about it. And then the farming too helped me a lot. And if you follow me on social media, like I talk about a lot of different tools, this is only one tool and it's not mm -hmm. for everybody, uh, but it is something that I've made some serious, serious gains with. So uh, it's encouraging. And I think that it could help others and it's not a synthetic drug. And that's what's so exciting about this is that mother, mother nature provides and, and um, I really do honestly believe like with athletes in the athletic community, they're so fearful of the CTE narrative. Mm -hmm. I think it could really calm some of those anxieties and, and the government, the US government has patents on all cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and anti inflammatories. So um, if you don't believe me, then why did they take those patents out in 2003 so right yeah, well exciting. that's that's such great news for you to be able to find uh, an avenue that can help you can help others and that has just been kind of uh, i mean with so much to do with brain trauma not just in hockey but elsewhere sort of an avenue for other people to be able to maybe go down this path and you can find out more everyone watching um dan has launched in the daniel carcillo journey which I was listening to on your podcast that you just launched this week, but you guys are going to be talking about that a whole lot more. So if you're interested in that, make sure you check that out. I know I will. I'm very fascinated with the brain, how it deals with sleep. I've been in car accidents. I play hockey myself. So I've taken a personal interest into what you're doing as well. And we are going to find out a whole lot more about your journey what you've been doing and what you plan on doing when we return on Drinks with Thanks. Guys, don't go anywhere. Hey guys, I'm Taylor Rooks, and I had way too many drinks with Binks. Hey guys, welcome back into Drinks with Binks. We've got Daniel Carcillo, two-time Stanley Cup champion, now working on brain awareness, brain health, and... Dan, you on the ice were really known as kind of this like antagonistic, you know, car bomb, got underneath everyone's skin. And how would you describe yourself now? Probably the complete opposite. Unless I'm, you know, putting my mind towards something. One thing that hasn't left me is my work ethic. Uh, but I pretty much had to relearn everything that I learned in hockey and in hockey culture and coming up from, you know, the negative self-talk to um, just being like super hypercritical to you know, relationships to communication, to really like regaining my confidence back. Uh, because when a lot of us leave, or for me anyway, I was broken. I was a shell of a man. 
and I'd had a lot of death around me with, with former teammates and friends and my grandparents. And there was just a whole bunch of stuff coming at me that I never had to deal with. And then, you know, you lose your community and, and you're dealing with these mental health complications derived from the repetitive head trauma. You've never been educated about it. So you don't know where this stuff is coming from. And I had a, a newborn right when I retired and a, and a new wife and it was kind of just everything hit me all at once. And it was, it was difficult. It was difficult to, to operate, but, um, you know, you work through it and I, I read a lot and I knew that there was a lot of different modalities out there to help me like moxa acupuncture or chiropractic work or functional neurology or self deprivation tanks, meditation, yoga, mm -hmm. eating well, drinking, hydrate, staying hydrated, changing your diet. Like there's so many things that we can do. And the reason I, I, I like to list everything is because um, some of the things will work for people, even on certain days they'll work and they won't work the next day. And so I really advocate that people have a really large, you know, toolbox to be able to, to recognize signs and symptoms and then be able to move into properly diagnosing yourself and then doing what works for you. So what was that, that moment like, like the tipping point or sort of the epiphany you had when you said, okay, I need to change now? Yeah, so that was at 25. And there was a lot of things that happened to me to be able to like create that car bomb persona. Uh, there was sexual, physical, verbal assault for the better part of a year when I was a minor um, at junior hockey. And that really changed me as a person and as a hockey player and that's where you see that um you know that that savage like mentality where it's never going to be me again and and that's kind of how i played the game and so you know i can look back on my career and really you know see how these traumatic events coupled with the physical led to these substance abuse issues, these, these things where I, I needed to numb out. And that's really the only way I knew how to deal with it because you're talking about 2009, 2010, like mental health isn't talked about the way that it is now. And, and so at 25, I just, I, I ended my two year contract with Philly. They had a, a, a right to qualify me and they didn't. And then I got signed by Chicago. Um, for basically half of what I was making the year before. So the writing was on the wall. It's like, you know, either shape up or, or you're going to be gone. You're going to be out of this league at, at a very young age. And so when they signed me for that one year deal, I decided to do something that saved my life, which was ask for help. I needed to get off of opiates because I had two surgeries back to back in 14 days that summer. And it was really like a fresh start. And so in asking for help and then going away and learning about myself and, it's like you, you learn about this whole other world, like mm -hmm. meditation and deep belly breathing and diet and, and talking about how you feel and not holding everything in. And it was really quite amazing that I, I'd never stumbled upon it. And uh, that really saved my life. You know, the, my last five years in the league, I went to the Stanley Cup finals four times with three different teams, you know, and so... I always tell people that, you know, no matter how dark it gets, because it's gotten really dark for me at times, you, you can always find a way out. You know, right. there, there's a way out.
And then in, in looking at that, you, you mentioned changing your personal behavior and kind of finding a, you know, a, a different path. But by the same token, you also still had that same reputation from fans and that you were this guy like, oh, we need this guy. He's, he's going to galvanize our team, but he's going to really stick it to the other team. Was it difficult in all sort of like understanding who you were and what your identity was when you've changed, but maybe the perception of you hasn't still? Yeah, it was really hard when I, I kept going back and forth with it. But for the most part, I knew that I still had a job to do. I think that's where it gets lost on a lot of people that, you know, the people you see on the ice or the characters that we create are just characters, you know, and there's totally different set of rules. Like I can't hit somebody if there's a puck in front of them on the sidewalk, you know, but I can do that in this game. And so um, the way that spirituality changed me was like, oh man, now I'm conscious of what I'm doing. I'm conscious of how badly this hurts this other person. I'm conscious that I'm getting hurt. And so I started, I stopped fighting or I, I started fighting a lot less and I would still make the hits, but I wouldn't be such a predator about it. And really, if you look at my, my first five years in the league, it's like, stick your head out and just let's throw. Meanwhile, the last part, I'm just kind of like this, just doing my job because really once you get pigeonholed into a role like that, it's mm -hmm. extremely, extremely hard to get out of. Um, and so, and, and really what I thought was like, that's who I am. You know, I'm, I'm just a hockey player and, and I need to continue to do this at, at, at all costs. And so uh, well, other things that did happen, like there were some positives that came out of it as far as me being a better teammate. And that correlated to me being on a couple different teams going and making these really deep runs. Um, and, uh, and just trying my best again to, to make the room like a really happy place, you know, because it wasn't, it's not like that in hockey. It's a lot of walking on eggshells and a lot of fear-based mentality. And so my job is to try to, to bring the, to bring the humor and, and to bring the stress-free environment. Well, that is, uh, that is something that is, is gotta be very difficult in a locker room that is filled with sometimes toxic masculinity and from coaches, from players and whatnot. And we want to get into a whole lot more about how that is still a big topic in the league today when we return on drinks with thanks guys, don't go anywhere. Hey guys, welcome on back to Drinks with Things. I'm JSB. We've got former NHLer Dan Carcillo here with us. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion, now on a journey for our brain awareness and brain health. And Dan, before we get into the NHL today, you just mentioned some interesting things to me about how one of the hardest things was sort of still playing and still doing the things that you did really well, but not sort of being pigeonholed as as an enforcer you said that was one of the hardest things that you had to do and you didn't want to be a one-dimensional kind of guy how did you deal with that that's a good question i think i kind of kept growing uh, spiritually away from the rink and then when i got to the rink it was just like okay i'm gonna put my work hat on and and just go to work and really it started to become pretty miserable and I was, by the end of it, I mean, after Steve died in February, and that was my last year in the NHL, it was 2000, 
2015. And my son was born in November. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't want to do this anymore and be an absent father. And then Steve died in February. And then I got my seventh concussion in March. And, and we won our second Santa Cup. So I'm just like, okay, it's, it's time. But there was just, there's no way out of that box once they put you in it, no mm-hmm. matter how hard you try. And so really it came to a point where I kind of like just quit on hockey and I just knew how to do the bare minimum to, to be able to, you know, be a good teammate and continue to, you know, make a living. And, and then over here, I was like, just out in the community, restaurants, concerts, um, you know, going to museums and just doing things that I don't know. I don't think a lot of guys really do. They don't venture out too much and you see them on, you know, with the Normatex and just hydrating. It's like, I couldn't, uh, I just couldn't conform to that type of mentality. And, and um, yeah, so I just, I, I, like I said, I just kind of, this was work and I saw it as a job and people are probably out there like, how do you, how can you see that mm-hmm. as a job? But if you do it long enough um, and, and you kind of, you're, and you're unhappy, then it can definitely feel like a job every day. Right. Know? So how did your teammates respond when you sort of changed the identity that they knew of you? It was funny. I mean, when I got to Chicago, everybody was like, Kaner's like, where are we going tonight? You know, and where are we going drinking? What it? And I was like, yeah, I'm not drinking. <laughs> and so what happened was that's where my relationship with Steve kicked off. Cause Steve was like this Jack, like good looking, charismatic confident and i was like this scared awkward new person even to myself trying to figure it out uh didn't want, didn't know what people were going to think about me and really didn't know how to act and so we just kind of came together and he took me under his wing and we did meetings and we did you know lunch we did dinner we did all the lockout stuff and and that's where really our relationship you know took hold and and he taught me how to live a happy and fulfilling life he taught me how to be confident again and um, you know, that's why that loss, you know, hurt so much. Cause we were, we were, I mean, I'd never met anybody like that in hockey, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it, it's, it's tough to find guys that you talk about like meditating with or spirituality, or you come out of a hyperbaric chamber and, you know, out of a meditation and you just, you just talk about, you know, what, what you see. And then also what we were talking about was what are we going to do next? You know, um, what's next? You know, who the heck are we <laughs> away from this sport? And, uh, and so delving into the, who I am, you know, and I always say I'm, I'm Daniel Carcillo who played hockey. I'm not the hockey player named Daniel Carcillo. Well, that is a great realization to be able to get to that point. So I'm sure many lose their identity along the way. And that of course, Steve, that you're referring to is Steve Monador, who mm-hmm. former NHL player, sadly passed away in 2015 that you mentioned and someone that has seemingly had a very profound impact on your life. And when we discussed some of these former players, I'd just be curious to ask you, like you were playing in the league when some of these other guys who had roles similar to you, Derek Bugard, Rick Rippon, um, Wade Belak all passed away. What was that like for you? It was scary because I was really close to Steve and I saw his, you know, year and a half deterioration. I wasn't close with the other guys, but um, I was close with some of the friends and they saw the same types of symptoms. And I knew that I was like experiencing some of those, but 
in your career, you you just you, you just block it out. You know, mm-hmm. you you don't think about it, and it's definitely not talked about by any medical professionals. It's the word concussion is rarely even used in the locker room when somebody has it. It was almost a sense of they didn't want you to feel the full effect of what was going on because a lot of painkillers were prescribed to us. And then our, our our prescription was to go home and then come to the rink when we felt better. And so honestly, I didn't even know that there was a lawsuit against the NHL for the TBI stuff while I was in the league. You know, I found out about that probably in 2017 and then I read and I was like, all right, well, we were all lied to. They all withheld this information you know, my friend's dead. I almost died. Let's hold these people accountable, you know? And so that's, that's where like I applied myself to the advocacy work and I'm glad I did it while I was sick because now people can see that I'm better. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and now it's just about holding these people accountable, getting a large money sum. And I say large money for Steve um, because that's the only way the NHL changes is when they lose money. And really Steve's case has the potential to change the brain injury world, because we say sport related concussion, but if you've, you've been in a car accident, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. to me, did, did you say I got into a car accident concussion? Right. No. Or I got one yeah. of those concussions from a car accident. Like nobody says that, you yeah. know? So really it's just a brain injury, brain injuries are brain injuries and that's it. And, and they can really affect people's lives. And so I just, I advocate for informed consent. And the way that I'm going to get this informed consent from this league is by holding them accountable. And hopefully, um, you know, with the Chicago Blackhawks clearing Steve for four concussions in 12 weeks, it was his 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th concussion in 12 weeks, they cleared him. That's what killed him. And, And he had CT all over his brain. So now it's time. You know, those people that are still working in that organization and the people still in the league, they have to answer to it. And... And so we'll see what happens with the case. But I mean, I don't see it going past a couple of days with the information that's going to be coming to light. And um, if it does, I'll be very surprised. What do you mean by that? Like what information is coming to light? Oh, just the ultimatums that they gave him, um, all of the emails that I've seen. Uh, it's going to be really tough for the NHL to kind of continue down yeah. the road with. I'm a, I'm a critical witness. I was in the, the medical room sitting by him most of the days when they were talking to him, I know exactly what happened. Um, and I just don't think that they're going to be able to survive that type of PR. And I honestly, um, I really, really, I want to be so sound in mind and body. And that was like a big reason for me to get healthy too, so that we can, we can really honor Steve, his legacy. And, uh, you know, these people, they shouldn't be working. You know, like they have athletic therapists and a strength and conditioning coach making up exertion tests for return to play protocol with no help from a neurologist. Mm-hmm. None. You know, so like just just things need to change, you know, and um, and hopefully by bringing to light what happened to Steve, because it's everybody's story. It's not just Steve's right. an extreme case that this happens to everybody. Then then hopefully we can bring in people that that really do care and we can usher in some change, put some parameters in place for current players to protect themselves from themselves. And because as an athlete, you just want to play, right? And um, mm-hmm. and then I'll I'll 
feel good, you know? Um, and then I'll just uh, move on to like swimming or <laughs> these <laughs> other sports where there's a high concussion rate. A lot of people on social media say, well, why is, why is Dan going about it this well? You know, it matters to me, you know, and, and there still is anger and frustration and sadness and I'm human, you know, how could there not be mm -hmm. on some days? I'm getting better with that, but, um, you know, it's, um, everybody's been through a lot, you know, right, so yeah. it's just like, let's, let's just tell the truth and, 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 and then do better, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, just do better, man. Tell them the truth. They're going to sign anyway. These guys are going to sign the contracts anyway. That's, that's the thing that blows my mind, right. you know? Um, so so yeah, it's uh... yeah, it's all. I mean, all really important information uh, for the discovery into this ongoing uh, lawsuit that's happening right now, and, and as you mentioned, very important for the players that are in the league and that want to play in the future about creating a better environment for everyone. But we're going to get into more about that and beyond when we come back on Drinks and Things with Daniel Carcillo. I'm Michael Smith, and I'm proud to say that I had drinks with Binks. Six of them motherfuckers, to be exact. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome back to Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks. We've got two-time Stanley Cup champion Daniel Carcillo joining us here today. And we were just discussing uh, CTE and concussions in the NHL, and you had a very profound video uh, the fight to save my brain with the Player Tribune that was also on our network, Fubo Sports Network, that we aired. And it was very powerful and very authentic, very raw. And you had some some interesting things. Some of these quotes I, I picked out, you know, the ones that um, you said, you know, you can take my name off the Stanley Cup twice over. I just can't live with live like this anymore. And I'd be scared if I was still playing in the NHL. How have current players responded to what you said? Good. Um, you know, been able to keep in close contact with a bunch of guys that I played with and also guys that um, are currently in the league and then guys that have retired, uh, trying to help out as many of the alumni as possible, uh, a little bit of an older generation. Um, and, you know, there's obviously been some guys too that have said, hey, you know, like, why are you – going so hard at it or why are you can you frame it in a different way and um that was early on you know early on in this campaign where like there's only one thing i really know how to i really know how to do things it's just like i just i just do it you know i don't know how to sugarcoat anything and um and i'm certainly not going to with this mission you know and if you don't want to hear the information and and you're scared and like me i was in my career i wanted nothing to do with the information because in your mind well it's too late for me right and so when i retired it was like you know there needs there's a there's a fine line between you know ignoring everything and then okay now i need to look at it and so i just think that a lot of the guys who are a little older are probably just really really scared you know to mm -hmm. assess the brain their brain and, and how much damage um, has been done to them. And so I think it's, it's a difficult thing to look at, especially if you have young children like I did, but it's necessary, you know, it really is necessary. And I mean, current players can be protecting their brain right now by using CBD, you know, it's that simple. It's a neuroprotectant and, and it's patented by the government. 
So you know it works. It's the yeah. only patented neuroprotectant on earth, you know. So there are things that guys can do, you know, the, the supplements, uh, omega-3s, eating a lot of fish, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. You know, after a game, hydrate, don't get on the plane, pound a bunch of beers and this neurodegenerative stuff that they push on this league and through the league. And then dehydrate more while you're on the plane and you land and yeah. you go for a couple more drinks and then you go to bed dehydrated. Yeah. Like, you know, I just want, I, I want current guys to, um, I, I hope that instead of like the NHL alumni making whiskey bottles with guys, um, <laughs> make them like a cannabis line, you know, <laughs> or, or yeah. a medicinal mushroom line, like do something where there's like zero mortality rate and side effects. Right. Now, for you, when you watch a game these days, what's that like for you? Or if you see a fight in a game, how do you feel? Uh, I don't watch. I never did, to be honest with you. Um, and I just loved playing. I loved playing the game. Uh, but I see a lot of stuff like on Twitter. And um, I'm vocal when former players like to continue to push the same narrative that has killed other guys. You know, um, this violence, hate, and rivalries. And this bare knuckle boxing with no padding on, the, I, I just, I did it. I did it really well. And I just don't think it has a place in the game anymore. Um, you know, it's like, it's that, like, that's one shoe on this foot. And then there's another shoe. It could have a place in the game if they tell the truth about the risks and guys sign off on it. Well, then it's on that guy. Then it's on you. You want to continue to do it, then leave it in the game. But, you know, one of those two things needs to happen or both. Right, because I, I remember uh, I heard you say that fans aren't going to stop wanting the fighting because it breaks it up and it's fun and it's interesting to see from afar, but not when you're kind of involved in it night after night. Um, have you talked yeah. to Gary Bettman at all about any of this stuff? No, no. Um, I mean, I've pretty much been blackballed, uh, which I knew it would happen um, when you, you know, advocate the way that I do. Um, and so if he reaches out, will I talk to him? Of course I'd talk to him, but, um, you know, I've done enough reaching out, uh, to OHL leagues, to the CHL, to David branch, to hockey Canada, who's never responded to me to a whole bunch of people with just ideas, you know, and like, let former players come in, let me come into the room and just talk about the signs and symptoms that I saw and, and talk about what it looks like to be an abusive teammate and a good teammate and talk about to coaches in the same room, what it looks like to be a good coach and an abusive coach or a tough coach and an abusive coach. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I think that the message resonates a lot more with when you bring former players, there standing next to next to the suits who are the, the professionals, the mental health professionals. Um, it just, it carries so much more weight, you know, what would you, what would you say if you were able to get into that room? I would just tell them a little bit about my story and a little bit about um, how I recognized my signs and symptoms that were affecting my quality of life. Tell them about how close I was to taking my own life and, and just urge them to recognize this stuff. Recognize when you can't fall asleep or you're oversleeping. Um, recognize when you're overeating, undereating, recognize these destructive thought patterns, recognize your isolation that isn't normal. And, and, but you can get out of it, you know, if you recognize it and, and then what else can happen is you can become a better hockey player. That's the most exciting thing. It's like, we have to take care of these young human beings 
right? And we have to start young. Like you don't start with the NHL at all because it's too late almost right um you start with these young kids so you bring these young kids from hockey canada usa hockey up through the ranks from eight to you know 16 tell them that it's it's cool to talk about your feelings and and it'll help you be a better player you know why because then you're more singularly focused on the game um and then it's okay to talk about when you're not feeling all right you know and when you're hurt or when you're stressed you get that out of your own head, out of your mind, you express it. Again, you'll become a better athlete. And then and then talk talk to them at a really young age about the risks of repetitive. Like, listen, these are the signs, these are the symptoms of concussion. They could lead to these other mental health complications. If you're already having mental health complications, it can exasperate that. So just understanding it all. And then as they move through, guess what will happen when they do get to the pro leagues? They'll demand that they have that. You know, they'll, it'll mm-hmm. just be second nature. You know, and and these leagues will be forced to bring it in. Yeah, uh, it would be a huge culture change. And for so many players, too, uh, a more warm environment to be able to be themselves and not have to try to be someone else, which, as you mentioned, can have very long, deep complications and implications on their life. But we, you mentioned the abuse. I really want to get to that when we come back. we got to take a quick time out, but we have more on Drinks with Things with Daniel Carcillo after this. Hey guys, welcome on back to Drinks with Things. I'm JSB and we've got two-time Stanley Cup champion Daniel Carcillo here with us. And we've been talking about a number of different issues that have been prevalent in the NHL and during Dan's career with the NHL. And one of them that reared its head earlier this year, which feels like a lifetime ago, was abuse by coaches in the league. That there was sort of um, no tolerance, a bit of a Me Too movement for the sport of hockey. A number of coaches were fired by varying organizations and a lot more stories were had come to light on the fact that this is pretty widespread. Dan, do you think in what way um, when we when hockey returns, do you think that abuse uh, will still be prevalent? Like how how much will this still be an issue? That's a good question. I think the reason that we have such an issue right now is because the people in charge haven't dealt with their own trauma. So the coaches who are handing down this type of trauma to kids who aren't able to communicate and would rather just yell and berate and embarrass kids they're they haven't had any help. They haven't had any mental health training. They haven't had any communication training, you know? And so do I think it's going to continue to happen at the lower levels where there's not a spotlight? Absolutely. Do I think it's going to continue to happen in junior, where that biggest power gap is between minors and coaches, absolutely, because they have their your dream in their hands. Do I do I think it'll continue to to like stories will continue to come out in the NHL? I doubt it. Um, you haven't seen one guy step up from the NHL who's currently playing and say, "Hey, yeah, that that was me. I've been abused," yeah. you know. And so and and there are guys out there. There's just so much fear of reprisal. And if you go anywhere against the grain, you're done. Mm-hmm. You're done. Just like what happened to Steve, right? And so um, am I hopeful that younger – there are coaches out there. You know, there's, um, there's a coach in, um, in, in Ottawa, 
um, Jason Clark, who's doing a really good job of like keeping these lines of communication open with kids, one-on-one -on -one meetings and talk to me. And um, he just got the, the coach of the year this year and GM, but um, you know, I, the only thing Hockey Canada did was highlight the programming that already failed everybody when all this stuff came out. They didn't bother to update any programming. So that's a concern. And there's a lot of concerns, but um, I think what, what my job is to do is to give victims a voice in this and to, you know, everyone always says, oh, you're harping on all the bad stuff again. Why do you hate hockey? Why are you trying to drag it through? I'm just telling the truth. I want right. everybody to know what the truth is. And I want to, everyone to know that this stuff has happened. This stuff has been swept under the rug for decades. And I want to put these coaches on notice that you're not allowed to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, you also opened up about you being an abuser of other players in the league when you're younger or, or throughout your career. What was that like for you to sort of come clean on that behavior and have to apologize to some of your peers? Yeah, it was cathartic. But, um, you know, we talked about my, my transformation at 25, and that's when I started making my amends. It was in my career. And I, I had to say sorry to a couple guys who I was in the same gym as. And uh, one of them I'd said something really nasty on the ice too. And, and the other, um, I said something in the dressing room too, when we were, when we were younger and it's just, it was, it was, it wasn't me, you know, and it wasn't, um, you know, uh, uh, hateful, but it was this insecurity trying to get these laps and, and really both of these guys were, were minorities in hockey and, and, I mean, I've been that person. I think, I think if we can all look back, we, most of us have, especially in hockey. Um, and whether you're ready or willing to recognize that you've done something wrong and even hold yourself accountable publicly, that's really, really difficult for people mm -hmm. to do because they're so worried about losing endorsements and losing this. And the, I don't have any of that. And, and I don't care. And I don't care to have any of it. I just want to use my platform now that I've curated from all of the hard work that I did and put in um, for good, you know. And and so and I want people to know the truth because that's out there, you know. Um, and and if I didn't own up to my side of the street, well, then how could I ever talk about the other side? Right. Yeah. Definitely. And in doing that, you opened up your DMs to a number of players, uh, people, anyone who'd been abused, and you had some interesting results. We want to talk about that when we take a timeout right now, but we'll be back with more on Drinks With Things with Daniel Carcello. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the Cooligans. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Alexis. Okay, we are two stand-up comedians, and we host uh, the funniest soccer show you've ever seen. That's right. We love talking about soccer. We're wild. We're silly. We have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> but it's a fun ride. And we're on Fubo every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. That's right. Fubo Sports Network. Do it. Like what you're hearing? Check out Drinks with Binks on Fubo Sports Network every Friday night at 8 p.m. Stream it on the Fubo TV app, Roku, Samsung TV, and more. Oh, and don't forget, it's BYOB. Sorry, startup life. Hi, I'm Cassidy Hubbard, a host and reporter with ESPN, and I just had drinks with Binks, my dear friend Julie Stewart Binks. I loved every second of it. Hey guys, welcome back. Drinks with Banks, Daniel Carcillo, two-time Stanley Cup champion, 
former enforcer in some days and now working to bring awareness to brain health through many different avenues. And Dan, we were talking about abuse, coaches, players, whatnot, and you were very open on Twitter about opening up your DMs to anyone who'd been abused or wanted to talk about it. In being so open, you garnered the attention of one Paul Biznet, Biznasty, of course, and got to be a little bit of a back and forth on Twitter. What was that like for you? Because I know there is a following out there that you mentioned kind of came after you and, and your family. Yeah, that was difficult. Um, you know, Paul and I had spoken about that uh, incident a year earlier. And he brought up that specific incident and I told him that it wasn't true. And I told him that it never happened. And then I also took the opportunity to apologize to him for using those words towards him and around him. And then I also said, I would like to own this publicly. And Paul said, no, 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 I don't need you to own it publicly. And I forgive you because I knew it wasn't really you, you know, and I have all of those screenshots and, so it was a little surprising when he chose to to say the things that he said. And it is what it is. Myself and Paul see the world in extremely different viewpoints, with extremely different viewpoints. You know, it's, it's kind of black and white when it comes to us. And, um, you know, he has a really big following. And I, I, I wish that, you know, he, he speaks to who he speaks to, you know, and I speak to who I speak to. And they're two totally different followings. He, you know, made the reference to um, the swastika and a robe. And, and if you want to look at what like a cult like following is, well, look no further than Barstool Sports. And after he said that, uh, I got, you know, some death threats and had to have the police come over and sit in my driveway for a few days. And um, I mean, it's nothing really that new. I've gotten those from NHL fans as well. And they're usually just 12 year old kids sitting in their mom's basement. But, um, you know, I asked him to ask his following to, you know, I get that, you know, we don't like each other. We disagree on a lot of things, but the death threats is a little much. And so if you could tell them to calm down, please do. Um, and I also asked him numerous times to keep my name off your show and he refuses to. So, you know, I'll address Paul and, and I'll address that in a longer format. I've also extended out an invite to him to come and talk to me mm -hmm. on, we could, we could do it on nobody's platform. I mean, I, he wants to talk about money and he wants to monetize it. Well, um, I, I don't care about that. I just, come on and let's have a discussion. You know, you, you can tell me your arguments and where you stand and I'll, I'll, I'll explain to your following number one, what a hypocrite means. And number two, that you're not looking at one, you know? So what is the biggest difference between you two? Um, I think that they like to glorify the fighting and I take a different stance on it. They, their platform makes light of CTE and neurodegenerative disease, and I don't. Um, you know, the verbiage that he uses and how he pushes uh, the sexism by calling women kills that he sleeps with, I used to say the same things. 
you know, but I don't anymore. I know how offensive that is. And, and then they want to turn around and talk about mental health, you know, and they want to turn around, like their platform wants to sell alcohol, which is a neurodegenerative. And then they want to try to sell CBD too. So if we're talking about a hypocrite, look no further than that platform, you know, and specifically spit and chiclets. And so again, just different viewpoints, you know, except that they won't have me on and, and be able to have an intelligent conversation face to face about how we view the world, you know, and um, that's, that's where I get a little upset, you know, because you're slandering my name uh, in front of a million people. And the very least that you could do is just give me a, a chance to respond. But I mean, he's probably fearful of the things that I will say and the dirt that I have on him from our Wilkes-Barre Scranton days. And maybe he doesn't want to do that, you know? Yeah, well, maybe hopefully at some point you guys can have that conversation and get to a point because as former players, you mentioned you're probably experiencing similar things that you've gone through and you're all in the same boat together. So hopefully you guys can can talk and reach, uh, um, you know, some kind of understanding. Uh, we got to take a time out, um, but we'll be back with just a little bit more on drinks and things with Jan Carcillo. Well, guys, we've had an awesome, very cerebral, deep conversation. Just what I expected with Daniel Carcillo. And Dan, where can we find more of what you're doing next? So I have uh, my personal website coming out, danielcarcillo.com. And you can find me on Instagram, danielcarcillo13, Twitter, carbonboom13. We just launched on all podcast platforms, the Daniel Carcillo Journey. Uh, we'll have episodes coming every week and doing some live Q&As with, with people on social platforms. And there's the Chapter 5 Foundation as well, which is a, a transition program for athletes to help them transition into life after the game and just set them up with the right uh, kind of treatment if need be. Um, and, uh, and yeah, look for um, Made Plant Health coming out here in, in the coming weeks as well, which is the, the supplement line. Great. Very busy. All for a good cause for brain health, brain awareness and beyond. And guys, make sure you follow Fubo Sports on YouTube, Twitter and Instagram. This has been Drinks with Things with Daniel Carcillo. We'll see you guys next time.